0: Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today, an update on the child tax credit and moves now by the U.S. Congress to put in place tax credits for corporations. This after they scuttled the expanded child tax credits for families with children. Who benefited from the child tax credits, and in whose interest is it to stop the program? What's going on? Our guest is Anna Aurelio, Federal Campaign Director of Economic Security Project Action, and The situation on the ground in Haiti, the status of the grassroots movement for democracy there, what the U.S., Canada and France are up to in Haiti, and we mark the 30th anniversary of the Bay Area-based Haiti Action Committee. Also today, the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, is gearing up for poor people and low-wage workers' march and assembly to be held in Washington, D.C. on June 18th. Preparations are now underway for participation of 100,000 people on June 18th. And as part of the lead-up to that event, a Western Regional Poor People's Campaign gathering will take place in Los Angeles on May 16th. To fill us in on the latest with the Poor People's Campaign, we speak with Nell Myhand, one of the Quad Chairs of the California Poor People's Campaign.
1: United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres is in Ukraine visiting towns outside the capital of Kiev today, where evidence of mass killings of civilians was found after Russia's retreat from the area.
2: There is no way a war
3: can be acceptable in the 21st century in one of those houses
2: that is now destroyed and black. I see my my granddaughters running away in
3: panic. Part of the family eventually
1: killed. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky has criticized Guterres for meeting with Russia's president first before visiting Ukraine to witness the atrocities in his country. Meanwhile, Albania and other UN Security Council members held a panel Wednesday called Ensuring Accountability for the Atrocities Committed in Ukraine. Ukraine's Prosecutor General Erna Venediktova detailed the atrocities they've documented in towns surrounding the nation's capital, Kiev. Clear signs
2: of torture and mutilation lying in the streets, bodies of women and children raped and partially burned that lay on cold concrete, or a torture chamber in Bucha where Russian forces tortured peaceful civilians and shot them afterwards. What could be scarier than a torture chamber in the 21st century in the vicinity of the capital of European country? We document some executions of civilians and freshly dug mass graves with hundreds of bodies in there.
1: Russian troops are now in force in the eastern part of the country, which Ukrainian officials say was hit hard by continued shelling, which killed a woman in a hospital in the town of Sivradonesk one of two hospitals still operating in the area. Venediktova says Russia has attacked and destroyed some 340 medical facilities, 169 schools, and more than 500 pieces of civilian infrastructure. Meanwhile, tensions have heightened between Russia and the West, which has sought to put economic pressure on Moscow. Russia's President Vladimir Putin warned nations those seeking to counter Russia's offensive in Ukraine will be met with a lightning-fast response. Russia's cut Bulgaria and Poland off from its gas for not paying in rubles. European leaders decried the move as blackmail. Finland is the latest nation to say it won't pay for Russia's gas in rubles. But the UK's Guardian is reporting Russia's nearly doubled its revenues from selling fossil fuels to the EU since its war in Ukraine. Russia's received about 62 billion euros from exports of oil, gas, and coal since its war began according to an analysis by the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air. Putin yesterday said the economy was faring well, despite the West's efforts to economically punish Russia over its war in Ukraine. U.S. President Joe Biden's proposing to use assets seized from Russia's oligarchs to compensate Ukraine for the atrocities committed in the country. Moderna is asking regulators to approve its COVID-19 vaccine to the nation's youngest children, ages six months to five years old. Kids under five are the only group not yet eligible for vaccination. Moderna says it hopes the Food and Drug Administration will rule in time for children to get vaccinated by summer. That's a complex decision, partly because while other countries give Moderna shots to older children, the U.S. so far has restricted them only to adults. Pfizer is also studying its vaccine in the littlest children. Beijing is closing all city schools in a further tightening of COVID-19 restrictions as China's capital seeks to prevent a wider outbreak. The city of 21 million has already ordered three rounds of mass testing this week and the third coming Friday. A showdown on immigration is expected today at the House Judiciary Committee. Republicans are expected to grill Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over what they call a crisis at the border and the Biden administration's plan to lift the Trump-era Title 42 policy. The COVID-19 health order was used to prohibit entry into the U.S. at the U.S.-Mexico border. Critics say it's been used to deny asylum, seeker, asylum seekers their legal right to seek refuge. According to military rules, Myanmar has convicted former leader Aung San Suu Kyi of corruption and sentenced her to five years in prison. Suu Kyi was ousted by an army takeover in February and denies the allegation she accepted gold and hundreds of thousands of dollars in a bribe from a top political colleague. Her supporters and independent legal experts say her prosecution is unjust and an attempt to remove her from politics. The Biden administration says it's limiting half of the natural petroleum reserve in Alaska to oil and gas leasing, rolling back the Trump administration's approach. The Biden administration's move prevents oil and gas developments in areas considered important for sen- sensitive bird populations and caribou herds. I'm Christina Onestead. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio.
0: And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. According to the Automatic Benefit for Children Coalition, extending the refundable monthly child tax credit um, would provide relief for 90% of children living in the United States. Families received monthly payments over a six-month period, and those who filed taxes by April 18th deadline of this year, or those who file for a tax filing extension will get the remaining six months of payments they are eligible for in their tax returns. The child tax credit was refundable, a technical term that means that those whose incomes are too low to file taxes were eligible nevertheless for the child tax credit. The child tax credit, known as the CTC, was part of President Biden's American Rescue Plan. It increased the amount of previous child tax credits and established monthly refundable payments. Families received $300 per month per child for children under age 6 and $250 a month for children ages 6 to 17. According to the Social Policy Institute's Child Tax Credit Panel Survey of Families, the most common uses of the CTC monthly payments included 70% paid routine household expenses like housing and utilities, 58% bought clothing or other essentials for their children, 56% 56% bought more food for the family. 49% set some money aside for emergencies. 42% paid off debt. Very good use of the funding. The expanded CTC is considered one of the most successful social policies in decades. It lifted 37 million children out of poverty, but nevertheless, U.S. Congress didn't act to extend the CTC, despite all of the findings and the millions of children lifted out of poverty. The child tax credit was blocked by every Republican in Congress, as well as by Democrats Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kristen Cinema of Arizona. Attempting to pick up the slack left by congressional inaction, nine states have established or have plans to fund a form of the child tax credit in their states, although those amounts seem to vary from state to state. The nine states are California, Colorado, Idaho, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Mexico, New York, and Oklahoma. Republican Senator Uh, from Utah, Mitt Romney, meanwhile, has proposed his version of a child tax credit, a child benefit, as it would be called, which is tied to a work requirement in order for families to receive it. Child tax credit supporters object to this, among other reasons that it neglects the work of raising children and only values those who work outside the home and not those caring for their own children or grandchildren. And the latest from Congress, if you would believe this, give tax credits to corporations, not for children, not to families for children. Supporters of the child tax credit say this sends the message to to millions of families who benefited from the ctc that they're less important to elected officials than giving breaks to large corporations now here to discuss all of this with us i would like to welcome back to sojourner truth anna aurelio she is the federal campaign director of economic security project action she has fought for the public interest for nearly three decades as the D.C. Director of Environment America and prior to that as the Legislative Director for U.S. PIRG. Anna led a team of advocates and mobilized grassroots members and state networks to win policies to cut pollution, protect public lands, and boost renewable energy and auto fuel economy. She helped create the Climate Action Campaign, a coalition of national environmental groups working to win national climate action and the Green Scissors Campaign, which recruited bipartisan support to cut billions of dollars in government spending for wasteful, harmful programs. So quite a lot that you have done there and you are doing. Anna, welcome back. Good morning, Margaret. How are you? Okay. So, Anna... Uh, fill us in on what is going on here because, uh, first of all, just was the summary okay? Anything you wanted to clear up or clarify in it?
4: Um, your summary was fantastic and you set the stage, which is everything we know is that the child tax credit was a resounding success. It helped most families in the United States succeed. It was more than just a check. It was peace of mind. And every single day, we see more actual data that rebuts the 50 Republicans and the one Democrat, uh, Senator Manchin, who aren't down with extending the child tax credit. Every single day, we get more and more actual data showing, as you point out, families spent the money on basic necessities that it helped lift 3.7 million children out of poverty. Um, More than half of those were Black and Latino children. Um, It gave families better financial health. And in fact, you know, I used to work on a lot of consumer protection issues as well. And one of the most, um, one of the most Shocking things, of course, is that you know when people are living paycheck to paycheck, um, they often rely on what I call the three P's, right? Very risky financial strategies to make ends meet at the end of the month, and that's you know relying on payday lending or pawn shop loans or selling blood plasma. And these researchers um, from Appalachian um, State University found that that people's reliance even on these risky financial strategy um, were reduced dramatically when the monthly child tax credit was coming. So we know, and the evidence proves, that this is really an amazing program and it should be extended. And the reason I'm so happy to be talking to you today is that we are we are horrified to learn that a coalition of large corporations, defense contractors like Northrop Grumman and Amazon, um, companies that don't even actually pay their fair share of taxes are lobbying to get a business R&D tax extended um, before wow. Congress does anything on the child tax credit, so this is this is a situation that we really cannot um, stomach, and we're we're counting on folks to be weighing in with their senators with the Congress saying you can't do this,
0: right? And um, Anna, I mean, this is this is really shocking because in a letter that the ABC uh, coalition uh, sent out, a sign-on letter signed by you know over 50, um, organizations, uh, they're saying that this move, uh, to, for this, uh, business R&D tax, uh, extension breaks with a democratic model that was established in 2015. Um, and tell us what was that model and why is this so alarming to us right now, particularly going into the midterms, um, Anna?
4: Yeah, well, the, the bottle is do the right thing, right? Families around the country are struggling with, with higher costs of living because of inflation. Moody's estimates that every household is facing an average of $327 a month of higher costs. And it turns out that Congress could extend the child tax credit and start delivering an average of $444 per family with children um, in a matter of weeks. So that's the right thing. The wrong thing to do would be to extend these business tax credits and not act on families. And in 2015, that's exactly what Congress ended up doing. There was a push to extend corporate tax credits um, when there were also extensions of the child tax credit and the earned income tax credit on the table and ultimately Um, Democrats in Congress did succeed in extending those family and worker related credits um, alongside the court. So that's what we're saying. We're saying, do the right thing like you did in 2015. It's even more urgent now.
0: Right. And, you know, absolutely. But, you know, Anna, a lot of, including Senator Manchin, who you mentioned earlier, uh, making the case that the focus right now has to be in bringing down inflation it can't be on things like the child tax credit and there seems to be the thought that extending a credit a tax credit to corporations that that's what's going to bring down inflation as opposed to Um, providing families with the resources that they need to uh, battle
4: inflation.
0: Your thoughts on this?
4: So, I, I think what we're talking about today is smashing myths, right? And you talked about the refundability of the child tax credit, and that's the notion that we should um, reward unpaid work, like taking care of children. So, so one myth that we've already smashed here, if only uh, the Republicans and Senator Manchin would actually look at the data, is that somehow this is this is bad for the country that uh, you know people won't go, people who are already working won't go back to work, et cetera. And what the data found is that you know it helps. Families who aren't working and it helps families who want to get back to work because they can pay for things like child care and fixing their cars. The next myth that we have to smash is that somehow the child tax credit is going to um, increase inflation, and there's 133 economists. You can find their letter on Economic Security Project's website that basically said, no, the child tax credit cannot affect inflation. It's just not big enough. But what it can do is help families meet the rising costs of inflation. So those are a couple of the things that we have to keep in mind. Actual facts, actual experts, you know, actual data um, is showing us that this is the right thing to do at this moment.
0: Right. And, you know, the coalition working on this, one of the coalitions working on this, um, they're saying that the refundable monthly child tax credit would offer relief to 35 million families with 65 million children. And they're saying 90 percent of all children uh, in the United States. But on this inflation point, they also say that the report from Moody's talks about, um, inflation costing the average u.s family 296 dollars a month contrast that with what families would get monthly on the child tax credit i mean it you know uh, th- these numbers and this argument around inflation just doesn't seem to add up
4: anna it absolutely doesn't. And and again, since we wrote that letter, because um, Economic Security Project is part of the coalition, since we wrote that letter, um, the average cost per month has gone up. So now Moody's is saying the average increased cost that households are seeing is $327 a month. As you said earlier, the uh, expanded refundable monthly child tax credit was delivering $250 to $300 a month per child, depending on the age. On average, um, families who were getting it were getting 4 a month. So what we're saying is, look, this isn't the overall solution to inflation, but for the majority of families in this country, Congress could extend the monthly refundable child tax credit and start delivering monthly payments that actually would help people almost exactly deal with the rising costs that they're facing. Um, This to us is is an extremely sound solution to the current situation. And it's way better than some of the other things that we're seeing thrown around, like opening up more public lands to drilling, you know, things that would destroy our heritage and increase pollution and not really deliver real relief.
0: And, and make our children sick. Right? exactly. Exactly. But um, what has happened, because the, the child tax credit did lapse in December, December was the last payment, right? Um what have we seen in terms of poverty, child poverty, since that lapse? Has there been any data on that, Anna?
4: Yeah, Margaret, this is um, this is the thing that um, that 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 uh, is so tremendously frustrating right the data shows that the child tax credit lifted children out of poverty and unfortunately the Columbia Center on Social Policy um, found that once the uh, monthly payments lapsed um, the, the same amount of children were actually pushed back into poverty and I say pushed back into poverty because this is a this is a choice this is a choice that that 50 Republicans and Senator Manchin are now making to keep this expired the house passed a bill back in October to extend it for another year. Um, We have 49 US senators. And actually, Senator Sinema, who you mentioned, she actually supports the child tax credit. I think she's she's not so supportive on other parts of the package. But this is a a policy choice that they're making, Um, and and unfortunately, this is what makes the current business corporate tax break push all the more outrageous. There's 3.7 million children that are pushed back into poverty. There are families that are struggling with hundreds of dollars a month and increased costs. Congress could do the absolute right thing, turn these payments on in a matter of weeks and start delivering real relief and lift these kids back out of poverty, which we know and you know has real both short-term impacts on people's financial health, well-being, and also long-term health, people's educational outcomes, all of the things that will help um, families succeed, we know can get put into place. And if you're just a dollar and cents kind of person, um, the same researchers found that every dollar that this country invests in the child tax credit results in $10 of benefits to society over the long term. So so we know that this is the right thing to do, and, and it remains... Um, You know, it remains really a challenge for all of us that work on this to get this over the finish line as soon as we can.
0: Right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. You know, I had been slamming um, Senator Cinema for not supporting the child tax credit. So it's good to know that she is. Want to underscore that for uh, our listeners in, in Arizona. There may be other things you want to contact her about, but it seems as though she does support the child tax credit. So thank you for that, Anna. Um, Anna, though, there's been a lot of confusion around um, the filing. Uh, And uh, if it's okay, just wanted you to see from what you know to clear up some of this for us. I certainly know of families and, and, uh, you know, some a lot of low income uh, black communities, etc. People are very leery, but not only in our communities are very leery about the treasury department and about filing taxes, right? People get nervous about it for all kinds of things. They think, well, now they're going to track down where I am. If I'm on, you know, perhaps if any member of my family has some issues with papers or um, being garnished for something, you know, that, that sort of thing. So there was an effort on the part of treasury to deal with some of this by setting up a special portal for people who usually do not file taxes, right? But then that portal shut down for a while. But now I understand the White House is saying they're going to reopen that portal. And, Anna, given the fact that the deadline for filing taxes has passed, that was, what, April 18th, was it? Uh, For people, can people still file? Can they still get an extension? Can people who don't usually file taxes, can they still uh, get in on this and at least get the additional six months? Because those monthly payments only covered six months of what was supposed to be one year of payments. Anna, just help us to unravel that a little bit.
4: Yeah, Margaret, absolutely. Um, people who don't usually file taxes, but think they might be eligible for the child tax credit or the earned income tax credit, which got expanded this year as well, should definitely, um, should definitely file. And, um, that, that portal isn't yet open. It might be in coming weeks, but in the meantime, people can go to childtaxcredit.gov and start, um, they could file through that, right? Because, because actually, Um, October is sort of the final, final deadline, right? So even if you're, if you're late and you miss the April 18th, you can still go to childtaxcredit.gov and file there. Um, we also believe that there will be that non-filer portal that's more streamlined that will, um, that will come open sometime, probably in the next couple of weeks. Right.
0: And just finally, Anna, thank you for really taking the time. I know how busy you are doing all of what you do on the Hill, trying to get information to the rest of us who are not there. Um, Going back then to this uh, business uh, corporate uh, tax um, extension, just uh, tell us a little bit about that, because people may not know like kind of what this R&D tax extension is, but also... For people who are listening, who are worried, even if you don't know what an R&D is, the basic point is that uh, the proposal is for uh, tax credits to go to corporations and not go to children. What are some of the things that people can do if they're concerned about this, Anna?
4: Yeah, so... The number one thing people should do is remember that we're up against well-funded corporate lobbyists. Again, this is Amazon, Northrop Grumman, Boeing that have formed a coalition pushing for these tax breaks. And they're trying to get behind closed doors. They're trying to push this business tax credit extension on any piece of legislation that's moving. So what we're asking people to do is call your um, member of Congress, call your senator and tell them you cannot extend tax breaks for big corporate corporations through any legislation without delivering real relief for families first by extending the child tax credit um, in the Earned Income Tax Credit. So, so that's a simple, simple message. Um, it should be that you're you're taking care of families first, not trying to sneak in these corporate tax extensions on pieces of legislation um, that are moving right now. And in fact, the the Senate will start voting on some of these issues sometime next week. So, so the time to pick up the phone is is right now, or send an email right now.
0: Right. And also, uh, Anna, for people who want to be directly in touch with your organization, uh, what should they do?
4: Um, We have a website. It's economicsecurityproject.org. There's all kinds of information there. There's a whole section on the child tax credit. um, So that's the best way to reach out.
0: Right. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining us and for all of your work. And
4: we'll see how all of
0: this goes. Thank you.
4: Thank you so much, Margaret, and thanks for everything that you do. Right. Okay. We
0: are going to now take a station break. And coming up, uh, now my hand, who's with the California Poor People's Campaign, waiting in the wings to join us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Uh, And that song, actually, New Unsettling Force, is a song from the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. They have quite a a extensive song list. You can go to the Poor People's Campaign website and you'll be able to uh, take a look at all of them. But this is Sojourner Truth, your host, Margaret Prescott. If you're a member of Facebook, you can like and friend us on Facebook. Just look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott and our handle on Instagram and Twitter at So True Radio. We're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. And today we'd like to give a shout out in the US to our SoundCloud listeners in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and internationally a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in South Africa. We are now going to turn our attention to the poor people's campaign, a national call for moral revival. Uh, some of you may know that the poor people's campaign was called for initiated by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King months before he was assassinated. And indeed one of the first occupations that happened in Washington, DC was the first, uh, poor people's, uh, campaign, a multi-racial, uh, The national network of people descended on uh, Washington, uh, D.C., and uh, the National Welfare Rights Union, the uh, American Indian Movement, um, so many uh, movements across the country uh, participated in that. The Poor People's Campaign has now been revived, I think, about three years ago uh, by the then the reverend, now the bishop, William Barber, and the reverend Liz Theo Harris. And since that time, they have established a base, I think, in at least 40 states around the United States where there are coordinating groups, all kinds of activities going on. They have done civil disobedience Um you know, all uh, and, and much more marches and rallies and webinars and, and study groups, basically building a multiracial fusion movement around what they call the um, pillars of evil, which are poverty, racism. Environmental devastation, a war economy, and what they describe as the nation's distorted moral narrative. And now, the Poor People's Campaign, they're gearing up for a major event to happen the day before Juneteenth um, in Washington, D.C. on June 18th. They are hoping for, uh, planning for a hundred thousand people from across the united states urban uh rural multiracial older younger uh, uh, across the spectrum uh to go to washington dc so states are very very busy now um organizing and pre- getting themselves already to send their delegations to Washington, D.C., but also there have been a series of regional events across the country in preparation and the lead-up to June 18th and one of those taking place in los angeles our listeners across california because it includes california well we'll hear a bit more about all of who it includes from our guests um that is may 16th so i would now like to welcome now my hand. She is an organizer and member of the Bay Area's Poor People's Campaign. She serves as a quad chair for the state of California's PPC, working locally and nationally to amplify the voices of low and no wealth uh, people and the demands for resources to meet basic needs for housing, education, Healthcare, a livable climate and much more now my hand
3: welcome thank you so much Margaret and we really appreciate you bringing us onto the show to you know help people understand what an important event this is that we're planning for Washington DC we're at a pivotal point in our nation's history we are in uh, what dr. King called a spiritual death pattern clearly, you know, your last speaker, when we are putting parents in the position of having to sell plasma to feed their children, we think that's evidence of what Dr. King prophesied, which is the spiritual death in a, of a country that year after year spends more on its military than it does on programs of social uplift. So we're going to be gathering in June in Washington, D.C. for a mass assembly and a moral march. But in May, on May 16th, we're going to have a Moral Monday Western Regional Assembly. So California, Arizona, Washington State, Oregon, we will all be gathering. Thank you for hosting us, L.A., Poor Poor People's Campaign, Los Angeles. We're going to be gathering at 4.30 at City Hall, for uh, a march and then a rally the co- the co-chairs the whole national team is going to be here because the western region is really an important part of the you know the picture of this uh, movement to address the needs of the 140 million we we know that here in California the fifth largest economy in the world with 20 million people living in poverty that's unacceptable we, we, we will not, there is no justification for those numbers, the relationship between those numbers in this state. So, we are building what you described a moral fusion movement to press upon our legislators, public officials, that we will not be silent about the violence that is being perpetrated against us. I want to invoke Coretta Scott King's words, she was asked in the wake, days after the assassination of her husband, tell us what you think about violence now that you have been a victim of violence. She replied, violence is far more than my husband's assassination. Poverty is violence. I must remind you that starving a child is violent, suppressing a culture, neglecting children, contempt for poverty is violent. So that's the legacy we're building on. Right. That's that's
0: great summary there Nell. And for people who are listening, who want to get involved for our listeners in California, uh, who want to attend, uh, on May 18th? Well, any of the Western states, the states that, that you mentioned, uh, for this Western regional, um, Bishop Barbara and the Reverend Liz Theo Harris will be in Los Angeles for that event on, uh, May the 16th. And we want to thank you, Nell, and we want to thank Nancy Berlin, who are helping to kind of hold down the organizing of that event and the whole of the, California Coordinating Group and for full clarity, I'm part of the California Coordinating Group for the Poor People's uh, Campaign. But now for people who want to get involved, not only coming on the 16th, but who want to get involved with the PPC, what should they do? Because we know that in California, for example, there are a whole series of working groups people can get involved in. There's uh, social media, there are regional meetings. I mean, there are all kinds of ways for everybody who wants to be involved to get involved, whether they have a lot of time or whether their time is limited. So, now just tell us a bit about that.
3: So, uh, people can do, there's always more than one way to do things, right? So they can go to the national campaign website, poorpeoplescampaign.org. There's lots of information there about things that are happening across the country, and including you can get connected to the California campaign by clicking on the map of California. So, you know, please check out that website. You can also go to the California Poor People's Campaign Facebook page, and there will be information there about, you know, Things that are happening, you can RSVP for the march um, that's happening on May 16th in downtown LA at City Hall. At 4.30, we're going to be gathering there. So um, we are also on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I was recently introduced to TikTok. So we have, you know, a a presence on social media. So you can reach us through any of those uh, platforms. All
0: right. And uh, now... For people who are listening, um, who are no income, (laughs) low income, but who want to go to Washington, D.C., are there efforts to
3: help them to get there? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question, Margaret, because the campaign was launched in 2017 with two primary goals. One is to amplify the voices of people who are impacted by those interlocking injustices that you named earlier. And the second is to build power to change policy. And so this declaration for uh, June 18 in Washington, D.C., we're not calling it a day. We're calling it a declaration because it is a mobilization to the polls after uh, we organized to D.C. And so our goal here in California is to support impacted people to participate in both the LA event and in the DC event. So please, if you uh, are a person who wants to participate and money would be the reason that you couldn't do it, please reach out to us. We are doing fundraising. We have help from our labor siblings. We have help from the faith community. We have help from our civic engagement partners. Um, so, you know, there there's a lot of support for people to be able to, poor people, to be able to lift our voices and uh demand better treatment than we're receiving from this so-called democracy, yet to be United States, as the quad, as the co-chairs like to say. All
0: righty. Well, uh, n- now on that note, thank you so very much. Pacifica is Uh, media sponsor of the Poor People's Campaign. So I'm sure as we get closer, certainly to the June 18th event, um, that we will be hearing
3: more about
0: this. Thank you. Thank you so
3: much. And congrats to Chanda on her, the LA Book Award for her book. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you. I hadn't even announced to my
0: listeners that my daughter, my daughter Chanda Prescott-Weinstein won her book, The Disordered Cosmos, won the Los Angeles Times- uh, uh, book award uh, yeah, and yeah. we were really just so stunned and, and please a public school kid out yeah, of man, El yeah, soreno in east I la know. and it's it was just wonderful thank you now <laughs> <hell>, thank you <laughs> All righty.
3: Thanks, Margaret.
0: We we are going to wrap our show up now uh, by uh, going back to our coverage on Haiti. It is difficult to know and understand the context of what's happening on the ground. Given the media reporting on Haiti, one hears about Haitian boat people being returned to Haiti to vicious gang shootouts and devastating poverty, all reported as though the Haitian people Well, they just can't manage their own affairs. There is generally no mention of the history of Haiti, whose 1804 revolution led to the ending of slavery in the Americas, the great expansion of the United States made possible by the Louisiana Purchase, or Haiti's role in supporting Bolivar, the liberator of Latin America neither is there mention of the ongoing efforts by the United States, Canada, France, and their allies to destabilize Haiti, including intervening in Haitian elections, selecting who they want in power in Haiti, undermining indigenous agriculture, forcing Haiti to be dependent on foreign food imports, supporting dictators and corrupt regimes, fomenting coups against Haiti's first democratically elected president, jean bertrand Aristide. And when Haitian civil society and political parties attempted to come together across their divides to work to establish a path forward for Haiti and signed an agreement called the Montana Accord, that attempt, was also undermined. Indeed, that effort was taken over by those putting forward the position of the United States. But on Saturday, April 30th, an historic webinar will be held where two representatives of the executive committee of the most popular political party in Haiti, Family Lavalas they are going to be spelling out what is happening on the ground in Haiti and what the Haitian grassroots are demanding and hoping for. Keep in mind that Lavalas is headed by Haiti's former president, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, a leader much maligned, hated really, by the U.S. government, but who remains Haiti's most popular political figure. Saturday's event will also mark the 30th anniversary of the Bay Area-based Haiti Action Committee. And here to discuss all this with us, I'd like to welcome Seth Donnelly, who is a member of the Haiti Action Committee. Seth is a school teacher. He's traveled to Haiti countless times, and he does ongoing solidarity work in support of the Movement for Democracy on the ground in Haiti. Seth, welcome.
2: Hey, Margaret. Good morning to you. Good to be Uh, here.
0: Okay, good to be here. And Seth, you and I have been on the ground um, at the same time and and, hey, Tiana, a few occasions. So it's really great to have you on. Uh, Tell us the significance of this event coming up this coming Saturday, Seth.
2: I think it's hard to overstate the significance of this. Given that, as you were saying so well in your introductory remarks, that there's so much misinformation, uh, the people's movement and its leadership, like President Aristide, are maligned. Even amongst progressives and the left in the United States, there's a very... There's very little known about the incredibly dynamic, powerful popular movement on the ground in Haiti. Their day is is able to to do is to bring to uh, audiences here in the U.S. and uh, throughout the world as well. It's a, it's a webinar to bring directly the voices of of Dr. Maurice Narcisse and Pasha Vorb, who are both, as you mentioned, the executive committee of Familia Velas. This is the uh, leading political party and the people's movement. So we're able to directly hear what we often don't, which is what the Haitian movement leaders and activists are expressing, what they're demanding. And uh, that helps clarify for us the nature of our solidarity.
0: Right. And Seth, uh, t- t- give us, before we discuss any further, just give us the logistics of this event. It's it's uh, April the 30th. What time will it take place? And is there registration uh, for it? I know we've been putting information up on the Sojourner Truth um, on our social media, but just, just tell people some things about the logistics of this. This webinar.
2: Absolutely. So um, for those of us on in the Pacific time zone in the West Coast, California, it starts at 11. On the East Coast at 2. It's going to be streamed live, of course. And to, to get the registration link, folks can go to the Haiti Action website, which is HaitiSolidarity.net. HaitiSolidarity.net. There's a flyer there with, with the registration link, and there's also a QR code to scan if people prefer to do that. And then, as you mentioned, it's on your website. I know that Global Women's Strike has been sending it out. I think we're going to have a really good turnout on Saturday. And, again, I should also mention that Dr. Maurice Narcisse, who's one of the speakers, the former presidential candidate for Familia los Six years ago, and that election was manipulated, financed by the United States, she would have been the rightful president of Haiti. So these are uh, it's a it's a tremendous honor to be there with her and again with with Pasha Vorb, who's a a veteran activist and leader in Haiti. So those are those, again, are the logistics. Haiti Solidarity dot net.
0: Right. And, you know. Seth, the publicity for the event says, learn about the courageous and deepening struggle by the Haitian people to remove the U.S.-backed dictatorship of Ariel Henry and to end the U.S.-U.N. occupation of Haiti. Now, we do recall, likely our listeners will recall, the assassination of Jovenel Moïse. Jovenel Moïse, who was no friend of the grassroots movement on the ground, I'll have to say. Following his assassination. This Ariel Henry has been installed as the Prime Minister of Haiti, but there are a lot of questions um, by the movement on the ground in Haiti about his legitimacy. Um, So uh, tell us about that. And and also, Seth, the, the other thing is you and I have witnessed, we have seen the massive protests that have been going on on the ground for years. In fact, Ever since that U.S.-backed coup against President Alistair in 2004, people have been struggling to really get back their democracy with all kinds of things being put in the way. But from the massacres in, in La Saline, you were with me when I was down there recording mm-hmm. a recording that, to all of this uh, um, "gang" quote-unquote gang violence now across the country. It just seems to me as though there are some people who definitely want to suppress the right of people to be out on the street uh, protesting and to instill fear in the Haitian uh, people. Plus, where are all these weapons coming from? I mean, impoverished people uh, living, you know, Haiti, the most impoverished uh, country in the Western Hemisphere. Um, People have all this money to be going out and and buying these weapons. in many cases, sophisticated weapons. I mean, you really have to scratch your head, Seth, and, and try to Absolutely. sort out what the heck is going on. Seth?
2: And Well, I think the repressive regime is, as you mentioned, the coup in 2004. President Aristide and his, his wife, Mildred Aristide, and then proceeded to install an occupation regime that remains in place today. So the governing party, the PHTK party, remains in power. The assassination last summer of Jovenel Moïse was an elite mafia-style hit, and Ariel Henry is part of the same, the exact same regime. And what our media is calling gang violence is really death squads, paramilitaries that are weaponized through U.S. tax dollars. We just got data that the U.S., from our representative, with my high school students, that the U.S. put in $20 million to the Haitian police in the last year. This is up even in what was the case under Trump, the Haitian police are completely linked to the paramilitary. as you and I lost Celine, police accompanied the paramilitary death squad that carried out that horrific massacre, dozens of men, women, and children in that neighborhood and gross human rights violations that involve the police and the paramilitaries working together. The fact that in the face of this ferocious repression, the people are not backing down that they are continuing to demand an end to this regime to uproot it and to replace it with a people's transition government. Yes,
0: yeah, Seth, Seth, your mm. your sound is going in and out a bit. I want our <laughs> listeners to hear everything that interest. you're saying. So that's,
2: that's where we come in.
0: Yeah, your sound is going in and out a bit. So we're missing, unfortunately, some of what you're saying. But hopefully listeners just listen up. And even though it sounds a little waverly, you'll get the gist of what uh, Seth is saying. Now, Seth, you talked about this $40 million, but the Miami Herald, their report that was just for the police. The Miami Herald is is reporting that um, the United States and international partners and organizations that they have made more than a hundred and forty million um, dollar commitments uh, for the Haitian Coast Guard, right, um, <laughs> as well as the, the the Haitian police. That the police have gotten sixty new vehicles from the U.S. government, as well as other equipment. And, uh, you know, so you could really see, Seth, them sort of uh, whipping things up, right? When, um, you know, we'll hear from lavalas directly at this event on Saturday, but people on the ground really don't want this kind of intervention they they want an end to this uh, you know uh, what what they're calling the us un occupation and apparently the united states and canada and france they're now discussing um extending the un occupation in Haiti. They're going to be having a meeting uh, scheduled for this July. So Seth, there's a lot at stake and some of the people that you and I know have been lost, have been killed in all of this. So just give us your um, final thoughts about why you think it is so important for everybody listening right now to participate in, uh, listen in on this webinar. And let people they know know about it,
2: Seth. Absolutely. Are you are you able to hear me? Okay, now. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So I think that the 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 ratcheting up of the repressive apparatus for U.S. tax dollars, the repressive apparatus in Haiti, is part of trying to contain this flood this movement you know the movement in Haiti is called lavalas which means flood each person's a drop of water and the movement just keeps building right with fami lavalas the political party crystallizing the demands of the masses but the movement is building like last month there were thousands and thousands of garment workers out on strike protesting demanding an increase in the minimum wage. There's a demand, as you mentioned, to end the occupation of Haiti, the demand for a people's government that can stabilize a country and organize fair and free elections. The U.S. consistently is opposing the people's demands and trying to maintain the existing regime, further weaponizing it. And at the same time, the Biden administration just got done deporting over 20,000 Haitians since September, Right? So here they are welcoming people from the Ukraine and at the border, this violently deporting Haitians who are fleeing a US backed terror regime where there are bodies on the ground, and we need to demand an to these deportations, demand an into US tax dollars financing this regime, and demand solidarity with the people's movement. Our incredible speakers, Borb and Dr. Maurice Narcisse, will be so helpful for progressive audiences to better understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, because you're definitely not going to get it from mainstream media here in the United States. Steph Donnelly, an organizer with the Haiti Action Committee since 2004. He's been a high school teacher in the Bay Area for several decades. His students have organized and are organizing in solidarity with the grassroots folks in Haiti. And he is the author of the book, Live Global Prosperity, How Neoliberals Distort Data to Mask Poverty. Poverty and exploitation. Seth is also the co author of the written report on the uh, Lasalin massacre. Some of our listeners know of the video that the Sojourner Truth team did on that massacre in Lasalin. And Seth is one of the authors of the written version of that. And again, Uh, Seth, if people go to Haiti Solidarity, they can get all of that information. Well, Seth, I'm definitely going to be on that call on on Saturday. Thank you so much for helping to organize it and for all of your work over so many years. Seth Donnelly, thank you for joining
2: us. Thank you, Margaret. Right back at you
0: alrighty we're out of time I want to thank all of today's guests today's show produced by me that's Margaret Prescott I'd like to thank our engineer uh, for today I'd like to thank our assistant producer Alicia Vargas. stay tuned for Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman Sojourner Truth we'll be back tomorrow on the air with our weekly roundtable you won't want to miss that thank you for listening and you all please remember to stay well and safe Thank you.